Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our weekly Through the Noise podcast. I'm Hannah Chu, Portfolio Strategist at Standard Chartered's Chief Investment Office. So markets had quite a risk-off week with markets and bonds both down. Um, Yields also continue to move higher on fears of a higher for longer narrative. So the peak to trough decline for global equities has been almost 8% since the end of July. While when we look at bonds, the 10-year US government bond has fallen over 4% in value. So this offers a lot to think about. Um, And I think the question that comes to mind is, does this environment present a buying opportunity for investors? So joining me on today's podcast is Fukien Yap, our senior investment strategist to help unpack for our listeners this week on the market in VET and share our thoughts on them. So Fukien, welcome. Um, first question is, how do you assess the buying opportunities out there? Yeah, thanks very much, Hannah. Um, so the macroeconomic picture, it remains critical to the outlook for asset prices, right? Uh, Since May, uh, the U.S. economic surprises have been on the rise. Uh, This led the Fed to be more hawkish despite the decline in inflation uh, because it likely judged the economy to be more resilient than expected. Uh, However, there are signs that these economic surprises are turning over and we believe that this is likely to continue. So as student loan payments have resumed, uh, which is crimping spending power, and the weekly credit and debit card data has slumped Uh, in the first half of September. Uh, This narrative also fits uh, with the decline in U.S. consumer confidence reported this week. Uh, Overall, we expect that growth will slow significantly into the turn of the year. Uh, On the inflation side, the over 30% rise in oil prices suggests that we may see inflation coming in higher than expected. Uh, This would put the U.S. Central Bank or the Fed in a difficult spot Uh, Weakening growth should temper its desire to raise interest rates further, but disappointing progress on bringing down inflation means it will be in no hurry to reduce the rates. Uh, This means that short-term rates are likely to be heading nowhere in the foreseeable future. Uh, So the investment implications for bonds, uh, we continue to see current yields as a very attractive on a 6-12 to month outlook. Uh, The exact path to lower yields is unclear, especially given a significant hedge fund leverage, uh, which increases the risk of sharp fluctuations in bond yields. Uh, But given our concerns about the economic outlook, uh, we prefer taking duration exposure, uh, that is playing on the outlook for baseline yields to fall, and rather than taking credit exposure. Uh, This means we prefer developed market and emerging market local currency uh, government bonds. Uh, For equities, uh, the scenario of weakening growth and higher for longer interest rates uh, is likely to remain a headwind for global equities in the near term. Uh, However, the preference for duration also also feeds into our regional preferences. So while the U.S. economy is vulnerable to a slowdown, uh, the U.S. stock market is the most sensitive to falling yields uh, due to its heavy weight to growth sectors such as technology and communication services. And this means we believe the U.S. market, the equities market there, is likely to outperform once interest rates start to decline. Uh, that said, to counterbalance any short-term spike in bond yields and to hedge against any rising growth concerns, 
we are also overweight the U.S. healthcare sector. Uh, thanks, Fugian. So if I pick up on what you mentioned, um, the preference for developed market government bonds, well, given that the upward momentum in yields are so strong now, would it make sense for investors to wait till yields are much higher before they start to buy bonds? Yeah, thanks. That's a good question. And well, it's hard to time the exact moment really on when the yields will peak. Uh, Near-term momentum could push the bond yield higher from here. Uh, but we look at three indicators, which also suggest uh, that the bond yield is close to peaking. Uh, so first, the US economic surprise indicator, which used to correlate with the 10-year yield, it has weakened for the second week, uh, diverging from the higher bond yields. Uh, secondly, the 14-day relative strength index, or RSI, it has surged above 70, suggesting the bonds may be close to being oversold. And third, a potential U.S. government shutdown. This could pull the yields lower. Uh, in previous episodes of a shutdown, U.S. government bond yields, they tend to decline on reduced growth expectations. So against this backdrop and the outlook for weaker growth as we head into the end of the year, uh, we retain our view uh, that the U.S. government bond yield is likely to decline to 325 to 3.5% over the next 12 months so we continue to be overweight on developed market, investment-grade government bonds. We also did a simple analysis in our weekly market view publication, looking specifically at the US 10-year government bond, where the yield is currently 4.57%. Now, in a scenario where this yield moves up to, say, 5%, a simple calculation indicates that investors will still get a positive return of 1.1%, over 12 months. But if yields fall to say 3.5% as we expect, uh, the investor would get an attractive return of 13%. So the risk and reward is an attractive opportunity now in our view. Um, and I think you mentioned earlier that one of the other asset classes um, you prefer is the emerging market local currency bonds. But you know that the US dollar has been moving higher with the high yields and historically a strong dollar has been a headwind for emerging market assets. So what is your take on the stronger dollar on um, you know EM local currency bonds in this case? Yeah, the resilience of the US economy or US exceptionalism and the expectations of a higher for longer rates, uh, these have been the key drivers of the recent bounce in the US dollar index or the DXY. Uh, however, we believe that these uh, tailwinds are likely priced in. So our expectation of a slowdown in U.S. growth, uh, along with our view that the Fed is unlikely to uh, hike rates further, it should result in a near-term consolidation in the U.S. dollar and then an eventual pullback over the next uh, 3 to 12 months. So a weaker U.S. dollar environment in the next 12 months is likely to boost the return of the emerging market local currencies which is potentially an important contributor to the emerging market local currency bonds performance. In addition, we like the 6% yield or about 6% yield on the asset class now. And this is especially the case given the prospect for bond prices to gain via lower yields as the EM central banks could loosen monetary policy in response to softening global economic activity. And hence, we continue to be overweight on the EM local currency government bonds. 
Uh, thanks, Vigyan. I think we've touched um, quite a bit on bonds. Uh, maybe let's take a look at equities. And I think within this space, the S&P 500 looks um, pretty much set to post its worst monthly return since December. So you, um, maybe what are the drivers uh, to watch out for in this case? Yeah, the narrative has been pessimistic for the U.S. equities. Uh, as already mentioned, the fear that interest rates could stay higher for longer is a holding back on growth and valuations. There's also fears of a potential U.S. government shutdown and a weakness in the U.S. consumer confidence. Uh, so this could continue to weigh on the S&P 500 in the near term, and we see technical support around the 4166 uh, level. Uh, we expect that inflation and earnings outlook to be key drivers for the S&P 500. Um, the surge in oil prices, and there are some signs that the service sector inflation may be picking up, uh, this will likely keep inflation expectations elevated, at least in the near term, uh, which would act as a headwind for US equities. Now, the Q3 earnings season, which is due to start in earnest by the middle of October, uh, it is expected to see earnings revert to positive growth of 1.5% year-on-year for Q3. Uh, this follows a decline in Q2 of 2.8% and no growth in Q1. Uh, so looking forward, uh, we do expect less strength from the US consumer as the post-pandemic savings are declining and the student loan repayments resume. On the other hand, uh, we see that structural growth trends uh, such as digitalization and the investment in AI are likely to persist. Uh, as a result, our U.S. equity sector strategy adopts a barbell approach uh, with an overweight in the growth momentum via the technology and communication services sectors. And along that, we have defensive exposure from the healthcare sector. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Fuki, and thank you for sharing your insights. Um, I think there's plenty to digest, um, but some things for investors to just kind of watch out in the coming week um, is to keep an eye on the prospect of another U.S. government shutdown, um, you know, which historically has been associated with lower government bond yields. And other key data coming through um, in the week, such as the U.S. inflation and the business confidence data from U.S., Europe and China. So we've come to the end of this week's podcast. Um, thank you for listening today and we wish you a great week ahead. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details, visit Market Views on the Go on our website or click the link in the description.